Hello, everyone. It's episode four. Woohoo! That means if you are listening to this, I've had the courage to launch this thing. <laughs> Welcome to the St. Codependencia. My name is Courtney Coleman. I am your host. This is a podcast about all things mental health and, in particular, codependency. Y'all, I'm so excited <laughs> about this episode. I have gone through so much just in the last few days, just creating this content. And I've experienced a lot of healing in the process of it. And so I'm just super, super grateful. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm excited to share this information because it's gotten me to a beautiful place in my life. So last episode was on splinters. And I mentioned when we were talking or I was talking rather, that I had this splinter removal system. But when I recorded it, I really didn't have a system per se. I just knew like the ways that I had healed from it. And because of this podcast, it's been pushing me and pushing me deeper and deeper to go, you know, further and further internally to, to try to do out some of these things that can help other people. And I'm so excited for that. It's going to be great, guys. Before the removal of your splinters, you're like a wounded animal. And, you know, a lot of times you're fine for the majority of of your life. Um, Your everyday life can be pretty good. And then all of a sudden, someone or something can trigger you by doing something that reminds you of a past trauma that is still in your mental headspace. These splinters are here. We all have them. So like no one can say, oh, I I have no splinters. Like that's not, (laughs) everyone has splinters, everyone. That's why everyone could benefit from therapy. So yeah. Let's just get that established. And so when you're triggered, it's a signal that you have emotional wounds or splinters. So I lived so much of my life, mostly my marriage, triggered. Because I had so much unhealed pain. There were so many splinters in there from childhood. And me as a codependent, you really are self-reliant. You don't want to rely on anyone because people didn't show up for you over and over and over and over and over again. People let you down. And so you don't want to rely on anyone. You got this. Everything's good. I don't need anyone to do anything for me. And then that is all fine and good until you try to get into a healthy relationship. Because you have to trust someone and you have to be vulnerable and you have to be intimate and splinters block all of those things. And triggers are things that usually come later in life. You know, they're situations or their environments or their people that will just snap you right. It will just almost like dart you like a like a movie flash uh, flashback, like and you just are right back in a certain situation and you feel the level of emotion 
that you felt in that moment, but you are presenting that level of emotion in your present day in a situation that is disproportionate. And so you look real crazy because it's from something else. It's not the person that's right in front of you. And that's what's so, that's the, that's the vicious cycle of this whole thing. So the parent is hurt and it transfers to the child and the child becomes a parent and it transfers to the child and the child becomes a parent and it transfers to the child. So what I'm going to talk about is breaking these cycles, man. Let's freaking blow them up. They suck. They're awful and they, and they're strong. They're strong. They're stronger than you. The subconscious patterns that have been put in your garden, that disease will get, that that garden will get overgrown. You can't control life. And that's when codependents freak out. Because as kids, things were chaotic. So how did we feel better? We took control. And we created a life that felt better than the chaos around us because we would control. And then codependents growing up just manipulating so that they can do it their way and meet their own needs because the caregivers aren't. Because theirs, their needs weren't met. So on and so forth. So triggered pain feels like so powerful. <laughs> I mean, I know most of you know what it feels like. And I think that's so awesome about present day conversations. Trigger is a word that's very popular. And I think that's awesome. I hope it doesn't get dumbed down where everybody's like, oh my gosh, I'm so triggered. You know, it's like, no, trigger's a real thing that needs to be. It's like a panic attack. It should be, it's, it's your body. It's your emotions signaling to you that there is a wound there. So you can look at triggers in a whole new way once you have this information. Also, two forms of communication are always non-beneficial. Like never communicate under two circumstances, when you're triggered and when you're drunk. Both of those situations will result in yucky stuff. And in those really unhealthy conversations, when someone is in triggered pain and they're they're in their emotions from the past, and they're talking to someone like their child or their wife or their husband, those splinters come out then during that communication. That's when the damage is done. When there's communication, when you're triggered, and when you're drunk. I know that for sure. I'm sure there's a lot of other non-beneficial types of communication, but I know for a fact from my personal life, <laughs> Those prevent personal growth. And so even though people are telling you around you, like you're, you're acting crazy, your reaction is nuts. It's just a reflex. It's like something that it's like if you, if you got hit in the elbow or hit in the knee and your knee jerks up, it's involuntary. That's what a trigger is. So there's a way that I figured out I kind of traced back what I did when I had that repressed memory come up and how I sort of handled it. And I've been triggered. At, triggers are, are just the indication, like I said, that there is a splinter there. And so 
you don't know how many splinters you have until you start taking them out and then you get triggered and then you take it out and it takes time. It takes a lot of time and then the triggers start becoming less and less and you know how to deal with them and it's you're getting cleaning out your you're weeding you're weeding out your garden you're taking out the weeds removing those splinters and so also i want to get honest about alcohol it's something that i've had a very checkered past with uh, upon my reflection before this podcast i wanted to figure out how honest i wanted to get how transparent i wanted to get and honestly because i want to show everyone how beautiful the recovery process is in the in the fact that like i honestly have released shame in such a major way and shame was the driving force of my life so i am not scared to talk about it so that everyone knows that the shame that you feel every day for your decisions, for your past decisions, for your present day decisions, it's okay. It's gonna be okay. I'm gonna show you what I did to pull out some of these traumatic experiences from my brain. So alcohol is not your friend, (laughs) guys. It's really not. My stepdad told me that when uh, he sat me down with my mom and my Aunt Sue, you guys know who you are, and my husband, when I was totally hiding booze, sneaking drinks, I was in so much emotional pain, like I said, like I've been, I've been honest about it, but I was using the same coping strategies and same pain relievers that my dad did and that had caused the actual trauma that I was covering with the with the same thing. It's crazy guys how this stuff happens, but it's a cyclical thing. It's a pattern. And alcohol is trigger inducing. It's like putting your pain on display. It's like giving giving your the worst things that you've thought a microphone. And I'm talking about if you are drinking to cover splinters. I definitely believe that people can have healthy relationships with alcohol, just like you can have a healthy relationship with anything, with food, with sex, with, with anything, you can have a healthy relationship. So I'm talking, I'm talking from my standpoint and, and my codependency and how the patterns, the cycles are broken. (laughs) If you're using Alcohol to cover your splinters, it's like rubbing salt on a wound. It, it doesn't help in any way. It totally irritates it and it makes it so much worse. And it's also a depressant. It brings you down. People who drink a lot and say that they're happy, I, it's just not true because you're just drinking a bunch of sad juice. <laughs> and that's why like, Drinking for self-care is like a lie, we tell ourselves, because self-care is positive. (laughs) And it's like you feel good for things that are self-care because it's caring for yourself. And I watched my father go to alcohol to, quote unquote, care for himself. And it it ended up in him in a shell of of a body with no relationships not a dime to his name. It was worst case scenario. And that's how bad 
that fungus had gotten. So alcohol to me, I choose not to do it. I decided not to drink because it kills blooms. All the things that are beautiful in your life, if you go out and you drink too much, they're going to go away. The beautiful things in your life will go away if you go to alcohol over and over and over and over and over again. (sighs) And that's what's different about the recovery of codependence versus the recovery of like alcoholism. The difference is, is like you for alcohol, AA, in order for you to be an AA, you just need to, you need to not drink. It's just about how many days you've been sober. You know, the clock starts over when you fall off the wagon. But codependency is different. And the recovery process of codependency is different because the coping strategies have been different. And they could be spread across several different categories in life. They're blocking all of your potential. That's the thing. If you try to ignore the splinters, you're just not able to be who God made you to be. There's so much that your body wants to feel, that your mind wants to do after these splinters are gone. It's going to be fucking amazing. Because look at me. I'm recording a podcast. I didn't know I was doing that two months ago. God is good, y'all. And also, like you can be an AA and you could have been in recovery and sober and still be living a very dysfunctional codependent life. You can not drink and still have tons of splinters that need to come out. Your behavior, even if you start to take away the coping strategy that makes you feel good, you're just sitting there in pain from the splinters. So the splinter removal is the only way to happiness. It's the difference in your life between addiction and depression or light and love. The other thing is there's always mental manipulation to justify when the splinters are transferred. And this is the this is the mindfuck part of it. Sorry, my language is bad. I know, I know it's bad. I, okay, I just want to go on a detour a little bit. <laughs> I like cursing. I feel like it's vocabulary. It's like asking people to learn piano and not play a few keys. Like, why? I want to play all the keys. I want to say all the words. <laughs> so that's how I feel about it. And I'm still a classy lady. Sorry, side note. The people who are in their pain when they're acting out of the splinter pain, when they realize that they have hurt other people, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's because I'm going through this or or that, or I need to because I have this or I need this. And and I'm talking from firsthand experience. I was doing all those things to my husband who was saying, you have to stop drinking. You are drinking too much. And I was like, but all of this stuff is going on. It's a pandemic. I just had a thyroid surgery. Like, and I, it was like, I, I had, I was just full of splinters. Like I, my, it was just unmanageable anymore. Like I couldn't walk around anymore. And I remember telling my mom before I went to the meadows, I was just like, I don't want to live in this head anymore. I want out of this brain that I'm in. And so thank God I am. I got to, this is, this is my authentic self. This, this is who I'm meant to be. And I'm so excited and I'm so grateful. Okay. So let's keep going. The other really, really hard part of codependency 
is the realization that the people who are supposed to be protecting you are transferring the splinters that hurt so bad because they haven't removed their parents' splinters. So you start to believe as a child that this is what love looks like, feels like. And then the patterns start to form with all of your relationships because the treatment that you accept from other partners is probably similar to the treatment that you, you know, get from the first relationships in your life. And if your parents don't assign the right value to you, it is extremely difficult to assign the right value to yourself. And I had such a struggle with that, you know, in my in my 20s and 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 early 30s. I was just trying so hard to prove that I was good and I was worthy and so I just poured myself into my jobs and friendships and I didn't really date much because I was so insecure. I really did have so much. I had so many splinters, guys. But that's the thing. You don't know how many you have. And and once you start, you can pull them out. Once you start acknowledging. So that's, okay, so here are nine steps for splinter removal. So let's say you are triggered. You, you experience something. You get in a fight with your boyfriend or girlfriend or mom or dad. Or you get fired or... You're in a triggered state. The first step is to try to remove yourself from the situation or person that is triggering you as quickly as you can. The best case scenario is without reacting because the reaction is where the splinters are transferred. So you are responsible for your reaction. And so this is a thing that has been such a game changer in my life. You take ownership of your reaction. And because of this process, You're able to calm down. You're able to go and get yourself your own urgent care. You're triggered, right? And you feel this. This is step two. Find somewhere to be alone, a bathroom, a car. I like to get in the shower because I really, really love to do like a shower meditation and let like the the water just pour down like all over me. And I cry and, and I do this process in the shower just because it's it's just very cathartic to me. And so step three, wherever you are in your mind, create like a mental triage unit around you. So it's not really urgent care. Like, let's just think it's an ER. Like you're triggered. You're feeling really crazy. Your heart's pounding. Like you're, you're in, you're seeing red. Okay, so remove yourself. Try not to react. Find a place to go. When you get there, visualize yourself being complete your present day self completely like rushed through the ER on a gurney all these doctors and nurses are swarming in to come around you and they are totally assessing your your damage and they're going to help you okay and just like a patient that's like crying and screaming because they've they've gotten into a bad accident or they're really 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 hurt allow yourself to release whatever emotion that you're feeling. Like if it's sadness, then cry. If it's, if it's anger, then be mad, you know, scream, you know, whatever the, whatever the trigger is bringing up, let that emotion out. Step four, after you feel enough of that emotion is gone, you start to see things clearly again, start to calm down just a little bit. Say to yourself, okay, this is when we're going to dig out the splinter. And just like a nurse or doctor would ask you, like what happened? Like where where does it hurt? Show you know. Tell me what. That's where you kind of have to ask yourself and say, okay, I know I'm triggered for a reason. I know that this is a signal 
that I have a wound, what happened to me? How did I get so hurt? And who from or from whom, I guess is the correct way to say that. And step five, allow whatever comes up to come up. And usually the splinter will reveal itself with a memory that you haven't ever had awareness of. That's how it's been for me. That's how my experience, when you really acknowledge yourself and give yourself these steps, you can move past these things quicker and quicker. Step six, whatever intense emotion that was that you just recalled, whatever you just brought up to your consciousness, sit and now grieve for yourself at whatever it age it, it happened. Cry, scream. But this time, when you feel the emotion, feel it for the little you. And take as long as you need to do that. Some splinters that you pull out takes a couple minutes to cry. Some, some took me days to get over. But they're gone. And then step seven, visualize all of your doctors and nurses from your triage unit coming all around you. Or you can visualize like angels. I like to visualize like guardian angels comforting you, holding your hand, like as if you're like coming out of surgery or something and like you're opening your eyes and you can see doctors and nurses around your bed. And they're telling you that everything is all right now. Your splinter is removed and you will be sore and you will have a scar. But with some time and the right care, you're just going to be, you're going to be just fine. I remember after I removed the huge splinter that was repressed memory, even bringing up my dad at all brought tears to my eyes, like right after and a, and a few days after. But then it got better and better and better and better. And, and now I'm making a whole podcast about this. Step eight, put a proper protective bandage over your wound, which is a boundary. This is crucial and can be very painful to do because many times you have to do this to the people who are closest to you. But you now have this splinter removed. This was a really painful thing that you just took out. So you have to put a boundary up that is super strong so that no other splinters can get in there. So whatever the splinter came from, that's where the boundary needs to be. So protect that wound so you can get to the to the nice scar. That's you, you're going to you're going to it's just going to be a memory. It's just going to be a scar, but there's not going to be any pain anymore. So then step nine, you celebrate and you give thanks after you've processed your splinter and you visualize that bandage on it. Have so much gratitude for breaking the cycle of trauma and removing your splinter and then rinse and repeat. <laughs> I hope that helps you. I really, really do. I feel like there's just so much healing to be had. And the lives on the other side of these splinters are just so beautiful. And this is a way for you to finally start to love your, yourself and care for yourself in a way that you've never before. For the first time, you now have a plan and you can control the situation in a healthy way. And also, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks about your triggers or your emotions connected to them because the triggers are yours because they are signaling to you 
about your personal splinter. So don't let anybody judge you or sway you on handling your splinter because that's a big way of continuing the abuse and its manipulation by saying you don't really have a problem, you don't really have trauma, or that wasn't that bad, or everybody's mom does that, or everybody's dad is fill in the blank. People can keep you in these cycles and just know that you are stronger and there is, there is a better life. So protect yourself, remove those splinters, and you're going to notice less and less fungus in your garden. And then eventually blooms are going to happen. It's so awesome. Go out there, y'all. Do some gardening. Okay, so this has taken me about a month to record these four episodes. And I want to do this in a really uh, intentional way that I don't um, overload myself. I don't know what this uh, looks like. Like I said, this hasn't launched at the time of this recording. So I'm going to say that I'm going to, I'm going to launch these four episodes initially. And then every Friday I'll release another episode and some will be longer than others, just depending on, you know, how big the topic is and yeah, we'll see how it goes. So thank you guys so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Please be advised that I am not a licensed therapist, nor do I have any degrees in mental health. I strongly encourage everyone to seek out the care of a mental health professional. And as always, go find your light and where you begin is within. Bye.